Welcome to Living by Faith, your bright start to your weekend. I'm your host, Trillian Newbell, and I am so glad to be here and glad that you are listening. My hope is that Living by Faith will help you do just that. Live by faith and trust the Lord with your everyday life and needs. Um, It's my desire and my prayer every time we come is that you will be encouraged in your walk with the Lord. We want to take your faith and put it into action. So how do we do that? Well, hopefully living by faith will help you do just that. If you are listening, then you're probably also in the midst of Christmas time. Christmas time is upon us. And for some, it means the hustle and bustle of shopping. You are running ragged, trying to figure out what to buy. I am terrible at, for some reason, I don't know why, every year it's a very much last minute for me, and, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> at this age, I'm probably not going to improve, but I am always a little bit of a last minute shopper, and I think that's fine. But for others, this is also a time that is filled with great sorrow. And you you hear that song, it's the most wonderful time of the year, and it, it kind of ir- irks you a little. You're, you're, you're like, no, it's not. It's not the most wonderful time of the year. It's a painful and sorrowful time. Thankfully, we have a Jesus who understands. Jesus was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. He, he understands, and he comes into our sorrow, and he invites us um, to a throne of grace where we can receive mercy and help in our time of need. And and so, and I understand that pain and sorrow too. I have people who um, are no longer with me that I wish were um, able to celebrate this time and season. So, so every year is a bit of a sorrowful yet always rejoicing that Paul talks about for me as well. Um, but for others of us, <clears throat> like me, we did not grow up Focusing on Jesus during Christmas time. Christmas was really just a time for opening presents and giving gifts. Um, kind of like what I was talking about, the hustle and bustle, running around, shopping. Um, it, we didn't focus on uh, Advent. What, what is Advent? What does that mean even? And, and I imagine that there's so many of you that relate to that as well. I grew up in a very loving home, but not a Christian home. We were what I would call holiday Christians. So we would get dressed and go on those Christmas Eve services. We might go to Easter, but throughout the year, we were not attending church regularly. So so the idea of considering and thinking about Jesus during Christmas time was only something that we sang about, but we didn't really walk or think about. So we didn't walk that out in our lives. Well, we, all of us, have a little help. I am so excited for my guest today because she has thought through this this and how we can um, equip our, our hearts and our minds and our families for celebrating and thinking about the coming of Jesus during this season. Asherita Chuchu is a best-selling author, national speaker, and host of the Prayers of Rest podcast. A Romanian missionary kid, she's passionate about helping people around the world enjoy Jesus through creative spiritual habits. She's written several books, including Unwrapping the Names of Jesus, which we're going to be talking about today. Asherita is married to her high school sweetheart, and together they raise their three spunky kids in Northeast or N-E, 
Ohio. I'm assuming that means Northeast, Asherita. <laughs> Is that it's right? Definitely nor- Northeast. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I was like, Hi, I Julia. don't think that's a city. <laughs> no, nope, nope. Northeast Ohio. Nope. Northeast. Okay. And so out of curiosity, before we get into our topic, how long have you and your husband been married? Ooh, 13 years. 13 years. I just love high school sweethearts. I just, I have a high schooler and every time we are talking or we're engaging in conversations about some of his friends, I think, weird, there are people who met their 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 mm. future spouse during this time. <laughs> and yeah. so, I'm, well, yeah, go ahead. To make it even, even more weird, we actually met in fifth grade summer camp. <gasps> Trillia, oh. I have a fourth grader and I'm looking at her and I'm like, how is it possible that I was just a few months older than her when I met okay. my now husband? Now, okay, that's a story. Did you all keep in touch? We did. Yeah, yeah. We oh met my at goodness, camp every this summer. This is adorable. And then... <laughs> this is totally off topic. We became pen pals um, oh. and he has been my best friend. Yeah, since high school. Okay, I yes, totally off topic, but worth it. It's absolutely worth it. That's that is adorable and precious and such a testimony of what the Lord can do. You just never know. Um mm. wow, that you all were pen pals. Okay. So if you're a parent, your your kids could meet their future spouse right now, which is w- wild to think of. Absolutely wild. Yes. I'm going to put that out of my head. <laughs> <laughs> Not because another thing to worry about, Trillia. I know, yeah. <laughs> Not going to worry about it. <laughs> Not going to worry about that right now. It is interesting. One of the things that I do talk to my son about um, is, okay, well, you need to be thinking about, he's 17, almost 18, so he really does. You need to be thinking about what, is, does the person that you're interested in believe, uh, have faith in Jesus? Do they know Jesus? Are mm. we we are starting to think of those things? Okay, so it's not just a do, oh I like this person, but okay, remember <laughs> do they do they follow Jesus? So those are things we are talking about, which is wild. But anyways, all right. But talking about Jesus, you have written a book about him, unwrapping the names of Jesus. And as I started thinking and talking about um this earlier uh, we your book is focused on advent and we don't think about that we don't talk about advent or so can you walk us through advent and what's the history behind it and what what actually does it mean sure yeah so i didn't grow up celebrating advent or observing advent even though i did grow up in a christian family we were a part of a church tradition that um, prepared for Christmas in all the Christmassy ways. Um, but it, it was really like December 23rd, 24th, 25th. That's when we really yeah. entered into that celebration period. Um, and for me growing up, Christmas just, it was really stressful. <laughs> um, I was a missionary kid in Romania for 10 years. I was a pastor's kid before that. Um, and in the whole month of December, it was just jam packed with activities and preparations and choir rehearsal and children's like programs and all the different things. Great, wonderful things, by the way, such a great time of the year to reach out to other yeah. people who, like you said, might only come to church, um, for Christmas. But for me as a child, as a eight, nine, 10 year old, it was just so overwhelming for my soul. Like my little introvert heart just needed some time away. Um, Mm. And it wasn't until college that I stumbled on this 
idea of Advent, this idea of taking the four weeks leading up to Christmas to really prepare our hearts um, to celebrate Jesus, to, to be intentional in some of the rhythms of slowing down. And um, we, we can talk what that looks like more. But, yeah. but what I also found was this isn't a new practice. Like it was new to me. Uh, but we have historical records of Christians um, all the way back to the 300s. Like the first written description of Advent was in 380, um, the Spanish Council of Sargasoa, um, Sargasosa, that um, just talked about taking time to recenter our hearts and to refocus our attention on Jesus in these weeks leading up to Christmas. So. I know during the Reformation, um, I like I said, I came from a church tradition that kind of like, let's just do away with everything that is um, liturgical or everything right. that feels man-made. That's not, do you find it in the New Testament? If you don't, then we're not going to do it. Um, but what I found in my own practice is, is looking at some of the rhythms throughout history of how can we be faithful to the way of Jesus. Um, for me, Advent has been one of those ways. And Advent means coming. Right. Um, and and there's this beautiful double meaning, Trillia, that again, I didn't know about it until I dug in. Yeah. Um, but coming as in, let's prepare our hearts again to celebrate Jesus' coming as a baby, as a human in the world, the son of God taking on flesh. But this time is also meant to prepare our hearts to celebrate his second coming. <laughs> mm. And and oh, there's such richness to that. There's such depth. Like when else in the calendar year are we purposefully setting our gaze on the return of Jesus Christ? You know, the end of Revelation, that the last chapter, the spirit and the bride say, come and let all who hear say, come, come Lord Jesus. We are to be a people who are waiting with expectation for King Jesus to return just as the the Israel, people of Israel were waiting for the first coming of the Messiah, for, for him to come, we are now waiting, oh, come again, Lord Jesus. So it's this beautiful, rich time that we can, yeah, we can have fun with the songs, the, the Christmas carols, the wrapping, the shopping, the baking, like all those things can be so much fun. Yeah. Oh, but what an opportunity to slow down and really treasure uh, the, the Jesus who came first as a baby and who's coming in as the king. So I would love to dig into that a little deeper because I think for some of us, it's hard to abandon the reality that we know Jesus, he's come. So how do you practice that practically speaking, um, preparing for that kind of waiting that has already been realized? Hmm. Yeah, well, this is where I think there's freedom <laughs> because it yeah. isn't found in scripture, right? And and so a rhythm that works for you might be different than the rhythm that works for me or someone else. And, and throughout history, again, Advent has been practiced in different ways. Typically, there's four weeks. Um, you count backwards <laughs> from Christmas Day, four Sundays. Um, and those weeks have a theme. Um, they're different depending on location and de denomination, but they, they typically include variations of like the first week being the week of hope or the week of promise where we um, reflect on the promises of God to send a savior into the world, the hope that we have for that salvation. Week two is that time of preparation or waiting or prophecy uh, when we do some heart cleaning <laughs> to prepare yeah. our hearts in that way. 
Week three is joy or peace. And I mean, there's so much of that in the Christmas story. And then week five, love or adoration. Um, and some some practices, um, some churches have specific readings that they might read each day of the week. Um, there are Advent wreaths with candles that are different colors that honestly, truly always confused me. Like, why are yeah. some candles purple and pink and white? And And it's fine. Like, for some yeah. traditions, that is um, part of their preparation, but it doesn't have to be that way. We just use plain white candles in our Advent wreath to kind of count down to Christmas with our children. It's such a great interactive visual for them. Um, yeah, there's so many things we can do, but I think the most important thing is focusing on Jesus, and we do that through his names. Amen. Well, I look forward to digging deeper into the names of Jesus when we return. Welcome back to Living by Faith. This is Trillia Newbell. I am excited to be talking to Asherita Chuchu, and we are talking about unwrapping, unwrapping the names of Jesus. But along with that, we're thinking through Christmas and um, Advent and what Advent means. And before the break, we were talking about the names of Jesus, or you said the most important aspect of Advent is the names of Jesus. I believe that's how you said that. Why would you say that? Yeah, so I, I think what I said is it's focusing on Jesus. And for me, that has come through learning about his names, learning about Got who it. he is by looking at each name um, and having this this visual of um, if Jesus is the gift of God to humankind, um, each name reveals something about his character. And in, in the ancient times, a person's name was much more than just like, what you call them. It, it reveals Absolutely. something about uh, their life trajectory, about uh, what where they were headed. I mean, we see this in renaming of people in the Old Testament from Jacob, the one who deceives, to Israel because he would be uh, the father of this nation. So names are super important. And we see for Jesus, there are so many different names in the Bible <laughs> given for him. And again, I grew up in church. So, you know, if you would have said something like, Oh, the the light of the world, or the good shepherd, or the prince of peace. I've been like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I you know I could probably off the cuff tell you what that means, <laughs> right? But a, a few years ago, I want to say maybe nine or ten years ago, um, in my own personal journey of trying to rediscover the joy of Christmas, going from this Grinch like uh, character of like I'm just gonna grin my teeth and bear it until January first. <laughs> um, when I first had my daughter, I wanted, I wanted to make Christmas magical, not in a commercial consumerism way, but in rediscovering the heart of Christmas in Jesus to pass that on to my children. And as I was praying and saying, God, would you show me, how can I do this? How can I, how can I recenter in, in why Christmas is such a great celebration? I felt like God led me to study a different name of Jesus every day of December leading up to Christmas. So yeah. studying Jesus's names is not a typical Advent practice. It's not part right. of the tradition of Advent. Um, it's just something that is very personal in where the Lord has led me. And over the past six or seven years through this devotional, um, hundreds of thousands of families have been doing this. And I think what a great gift to give our children, to give ourselves, even during the season, to unwrap 
the gifts of Jesus' names, unwrap the reality of who he is by pausing, by slowing down to ponder, what does each of this name really mean? What what do we discover about who Jesus is and what he does for us through the the lens of each name? Um, And truly that first year that I did it, it was such a heart transformation for me. Um, I, I, day by day, every name, I'd sit down and be like, okay, I kind of know what this means, but God, would you take me deeper? Would you show me uh, just the the rich theological truths about who Jesus is as, as the son of man or the man of sorrows? Um, Show me. And each, each day, Trilly, it was like unwrapping a gift. It was like, oh, I can't believe, Jesus, that this is who you are, that you are the Messiah, the Redeemer, that you are uh, the Prince of Peace, that you are the, the Holy One of God. And because of you, we can draw close to the Holy God because yeah. you are holy. Amen to that. So, but you you mentioned something that that was a catalyst. It sounded like you... You didn't always want to celebrate Christmas. You said that you um, would experience it like a Grinch-like kind of grin it and bear it. So can you lean into that? Because I imagine that there are some people who are right where you were and and would love to get from there to where you are now. And mm-hmm. what? so what was the catalyst? What was, first of all, what? Why? Why was the holiday so hard that that you felt that Grinch likeness, and then what helped steer you? Um, besides, or maybe it was just that you wanted it to be magical for your kids. What was mm. it? Yeah. So I think part of my antagonism toward the Christmas season um, goes back to you know what I mentioned earlier about as a missionary kid. Um, just being so busy during that time and really overwhelmed as an introvert Um, and even sensory overwhelm. (laughs) Like there was just lights and noise and activities Mm. and people and places to be and things to do um, that it it didn't feel, it didn't feel celebratory in this awe and wonder sort of way. It felt like Okay, let let we're running a tight ship. <laughs> Let's stay on schedule. Here are all the things mm. we need to get done, um, and it it was just a checklist of things. You know, even putting up the tree, Charlie. Like every year, um, I love my family. I love my parents. They uh, raised me to know and love Jesus. But there was dysfunction in our family, like in most families. Um, yeah. And just putting up the Christmas tree, there would be like a family feud every year. <laughs> so it it was <laughs> yeah, just yeah. It was a, a lot. lot. Too much. It was yeah. a lot. <laughs> yeah. um, and so I think that's that's part of um, the fear that I brought into this season mm. of Christmas as a parent. Yeah. Um, actually, early on, before we even had children, I told Flavio, I was like, you know, there's no historical evidence that Jesus was born on December 25th. In fact, most likely he was not. Why don't we just celebrate the birth of Jesus in like September? Like, yeah. let's just pick a day. And celebrate <laughs> Jesus without all the other like accoutrements. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. So so that's where I was starting from. And yeah. and then um, yeah, had our first daughter Carissa, and I was I I can oh think back the exact date, the exact place. I was in mm. the home of my friend Carmen um, from our local church. She was a mentor mom to me. 
And um, I, I had Carissa there with me. She was just a, f- a few months old. And Carmen was like, Asher, you know, aren't you so excited about Christmas and so many fun things that you get to introduce Carissa to. And this is going to be, you know, so much fun. And it, typically I would just kind of grin and, and go with it and be like, yeah, sure. But um, this relationship, it just, God has done so much um, through the local church in my life, so much healing. And yeah. with this woman in particular, I just let my guard down. I was like, no, honestly, like I'm, I'm not looking forward to it. And here's why. Um, mm. And God used this, this woman, this godly woman to speak truth into that place of pain yeah. and to tell me, Asherita, it doesn't have to be this way. Um, whatever you experienced as a child in Christmas, like you don't have to pass that on to the next generation. You and your husband get to decide what Christmas looks like from now on, Mm. what you will focus on and what you'll let go of. And if you ask God's spirit, he will counsel you. He will lead Mm. you in the way you need to go. And so that was the conversation, Trillia, that started it. I went home like bawling, journaling, Mm. being like, okay, God, (laughs) I guess I never thought of bringing this to you. I never thought to ask you to help me reframe Christmas, but would you, would you show me how can I make this new and special for my family? How can we rediscover the joy of Christmas? And so that's when he led me to study the names of Jesus. Like the Lord just led me into it as such a good, faithful shepherd. Yeah, he is such a good shepherd. And it just sounds like new mercies and a fresh start. Like the Lord is so faithful. And what a a good friend to help Mm. you see freedom. (laughs) Like there's freedom there. And and our story isn't over. I, I I think that's such an interesting thing that we can bring certain things into our families. So we're we're bringing our past, we're bringing our concerns, and and like you said, it can lead to fear. And how kind of the Lord to give you not just the freedom to say, okay, well, well, Lord, how would you lead me? And to run to Him. So first of all, let's commend. Um, the Holy Spirit, but you, the Lord in your life that you went ran to Him with this concern, and I just want to encourage the listeners who um, are hearing that that you likely have concerns. You may have dysfunction in your past, and you're looking at your family. You m- might be experiencing it right now, and we we don't have to just hold to that. We can cast our burdens onto the Lord and mm-hmm. ask Him for guidance and pray, prayer and help and hope and and faith mm-hmm. as we um, carry whatever it is. We just don't, we can carry, we can cast it. We don't have to carry it on our own and in our own strength and how the Lord allowed you and helped you to do that. I think it's commendable, but what's amazing also, and I just love that the Lord does not waste our pain is that now mm-hmm. you've been able to serve so the hundreds of thousands of other people in the same way. Isn't that remarkable? Yeah. Just to pause and think about that. <laughs> He's so kind in, in how he does that. And, you know, even in sharing, like, this is how he works. He God works through the local body of Christ. Like that simple conversation at Carmen's table. Like I didn't I didn't go into that day, that meeting, uh, anticipating what was about to happen. But God yeah. knew. He works through the local church. He works through his word. He points us to his word. He works through his spirit. And you're right, Shirley. He never wastes that pain. Um, and, and I would just love for listeners, you know, you'd mentioned whatever 
pain or sorrow or burden you're bearing right now, um, bring it to Jesus. Ask him, ask him to show you the way, ask him to uh, just lead you step by step. And he will, he will. We might not know what that's going to look like, but you'll be able to look back years from now and say, oh, that moment, that prayer, that surrender, that's when he started the work. Amen. He's so good. And, and, and you've mentioned a couple of times the local church. I, I couldn't agree more. I believe that the local church is um, essential and to growth and discipleship and following Jesus. And and maybe it's a local church that you could get together with your local church. We've we focus a lot about um, families. I I believe this resource is great for families to use. But maybe it's maybe you have a small group or or a group of women or. Or a, a, or something else that that you could gather and and walk through the names of Jesus together. Um, maybe there's someone who doesn't feel like they have that that kind of family, but they're part of the church, the body of Christ. So you can invite them into your table, and um, you never know what people need, especially during the holiday season. I think it can be. Um, w- Recently, the um, there was a study that the uh, attorney general said loneliness is an epidemic. And so right now, there could be someone who's in your congregation or in your neighborhood who's lonely, who could you can invite to the table, open up, um, unwrapping the names of Jesus and talk through what what it means. Walk through Advent together. What a beautiful picture that would be, Mm. I think. Um, And you never know what the Lord would do with that conversation. Um, we have uh, just a little bit left in this segment, but what is one of the responses of your kid or your children now that you've introduced this to them? <laughs> All right, Shirley, here's where you get like the real raw me. Um, yep. They don't want to read anything I wrote. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we will talk about that when we return because I get that. That is amazing. We are talking with Asherita Chuchu and... It has been such a joy unwrapping the names of Jesus when we return. Welcome back to Living by Faith with Trillia Newbell. I am speaking with Asherita Chuchu, and we had a laugh right before the break about our lovely children and how you, you they just don't want to read what we write. I mean... Sometimes they do. But she was saying that I was asking her about unwrapping the names of Jesus and how her kids respond to the resource. And and so I want you to take it away because I'm, I'm curious about uh, how you implemented this in your home. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I mean, it, it is super humbling, um, especially yeah. <laughs> to get emails from readers and from churches that are using it and women's Bible studies. And my kids are just, if I wrote it, I they're just resistant to going through it. Um, and so I've gone through the names of Jesus year by year over the years. And we've still tried um, in, in the book, there's a way to do family devotions just once a week. And so we'll do that um, where generally we'll talk about Advent, about why we slow down, why we center our hearts on the celebration of Jesus' birth. Um, and I still have fo- hope, Trillia. I'm hoping that <laughs> as my kids get older, maybe yes, into yes. the teenage years, yes, they might be yes. more interested in this, you know, 
gift by gift unwrapping of who Jesus is. But um, just to tie that in, uh, my most recent book is Unwrapping the Names of Jesus for Kids. And that one, that's the one book that they will read. They will flip through these beautiful illustrations of of Jesus and a little girl and how she learns about him as she um, walks with him on his earthly ministry. And that was the age range real quick. Yeah. What's that Um, age range? Yeah, probably like you could read it to a three or four year old and um, Carissa might 10, 11 year old. Like she, she could read it and still capture her attention. So I would say like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Children um, up to preteen. Um, but that one, they actually helped me write it. So I would, I would write the manuscript um, for the children's book, Unwrapping the Names of Jesus for Kids, and I'd read it to them. Um, and where they would lean in and want to learn more, I'd like underline that, like, okay, hold uh, on to that part. Smart. And yeah. then when they'd start bickering with one another, I'd like, okay, <laughs> lost their interest, <laughs> lost their attention, <laughs> must edit. Um, That's but it's perfect. so much fun. They they are such a gift, and um, I'm so glad that God gave them to me. I I learned so much about the heart of God the Father for us, his children, um, just through my own children and and how – I do too. Yeah. I can't imagine the Father's love for us. Yes. Yes. Oh, my goodness. You love your kids so much, and to know that God loves them and us ten times more is Mm -hmm. remarkable to me, remarkable to me, but you also learn how to explain and understand and that what you believe so, mm-hmm. so well when you're trying to translate it for kids. And, um, and so when you were thinking through we're going to go to the book for adults now, the names of Jesus, were there any that just stood out to you? I, I'd be curious if there's anything that you, that you didn't know, like a name or a definition that was like, Hmm. I don't think I, I realized that this is what that name meant. Ooh, uh, that's a good question. I think one of the names that was an aha moment for me is, um, son of man. So, um, son of man, Jesus uses that name for himself 81 times in the gospels. It's the one name that he uses in reference to himself more than any other name. Ah. Um, so son of man. And of course that means, um, you know, on the one, the, the one level, it means Jesus humanity, right? That, that God himself took on human flesh, uh, that as my pastor said, a, a few years ago, he said, the fact that Jesus became human, that, that the son of God entered into our physical realm in a human form means that he will forever have a human body. Like he will forever be married to humanity in this way. There is no future point at which Jesus will lose interest in humanity because he is now human. He is a glorified human. He is the first fruit of the resurrection of what is to come. Uh, but but he's not going to quit on us at any point. <laughs> Jesus mm. is the son of man. He has given himself completely and totally for the salvation of humankind. But son of man, this is what I what I learned, is actually um, rooted in a, a vision that Daniel has, a prophecy in Daniel chapter 7, where Daniel writes about the end times when one like the Son of Man will come with authority to judge the world. And so when Jesus is claiming that title of Son of Man, he's saying, 
I'm it. I am the fulfillment of that prophecy. Mm. I'm the one who will come and make all things right. He is the one, the only one who has the authority to judge the world. And this is Mm. where that um, double meaning of Advent is so beautiful. We, We get to look back and say, okay, what does it mean that Jesus came as the son of man? But then we also get to look forward and say, okay, what does it mean that he is coming again as the son of man? Um, and you could sit with that name for a whole day, for a whole week. You could study mm. all the verses and all the cross references where that shows up. And um, what a gift that that Jesus is the Son of Man, that it, he is fully God and fully man. And he is the one who will come to set all things right. I mean, that that deserves a hallelujah right there. <laughs> it does deserve a hallelujah. And it's interesting because you plopped it in week four under love. So I'm I'm curious what why did you choose to put it where you did? Yeah, um, I think because of what I mentioned earlier that that just mind blowing realization that Jesus will never not be human. Yeah, um, that that is love. God has yeah. forever united Himself with us, and and I think growing up in the church. Um, I have so much to be grateful for. I have such a rich heritage of faith and understanding of theology, but sometimes some of these names and concepts and terms, um, I get lazy intellectually and I just kind of like label it in my head, like, Oh, I know what that means. <laughs> and, and, and just move on with familiarity. Yeah. Um, yep. but, but to think, no, Jesus calls us his bride. Like we are his redeemed and he's coming back for us. There, there's a picture mm. of the marriage supper of the lamb because the son of God became the son of man. Uh, what great love he poured out in that way. Um, yeah. Yeah. I could go on and on, but I, it's just such a beautiful picture of yes, both sacrificial love, but also relational love. Mm. Amen. He is Absolutely. It's it's remarkable to me that we can have a relationship with Jesus and that we can be his friend and that he calls us um, brothers and sisters. It's just, and that we're the, it's bride. It's all relationship, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And such, and that nothing will ever separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, because he is our Lord and our Savior, which I want to talk about. One of the names that you focus on is Lord of Lords. And, you know, we say Lord a lot. I don't know if we think about what it means. Could you Mm -hmm. tell me what does it mean or what did you discover the meaning of it? Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's that's one of those terms that we just get so familiar with. And so we use it. Yeah. (laughs) But we don't pause to ponder, like, what does that really mean? Um, Yeah. A few years ago, I went through a real like Downton Abbey season of my life. (laughs) where (laughs) I was just fascinated with all things like British lords and ladies and dukes (laughs) and like all the, you know, hierarchy of of British aristocracy. I didn't say that word right, but that's all right. Aristocracy. Yeah, that's it. There we go. (laughs) Um, That's it. That's it. Um, But yeah, so I feel like long ago people had a better uh, grasp of what Lord meant because they would know literal lords. Uh, In a feudal system, um, there were people responsible for the land, that the land would have been divided up into these um, different plots, uh, the, the, the different pieces and parcels, and people would be responsible for that. That would be a lord. 
Um, and and those lords would be responsible for the good of the people on his lands that the the land would produce enough to sustain him and his tenants. Um, so there's in Lord, there's this concept of care, but there's mm. also people need to obey and respect yep. their Lord. Jesus is Lord of all the Lords. He is Lord of Lords. He is, and we should worship and be in awe of him more when we return. Welcome back to Living by Faith. I'm your host, Trillia Newbell, and we're talking about Advents and the names of Jesus and how we can enter this season kind of with a different focus. A lot of our focus often Christmas time is shopping. <laughs> we're thinking about gifts, and we want to help you think about Jesus, think about something else. So I want to actually ask you about that. What is some? What is? What do you think was the catalyst of some of this consumerism? I'm not really sure where it all came. Oh, you may not know where it started, but, but <laughs> so that's forget that question. That's a deep question, and okay, maybe okay. for an economist, I'm not an anthropologist, <laughs> or an economist, that might be. You know, that was like a business question. But I do wonder how we how we break from it to hmm. to do what you're saying so slow down are there any rhythms or any anything that you would encourage us to do because um one of the things that you've said a couple of times which i incred- i just think is very important and also really appreciate is that it can look different for everyone so hmm. we're not going to prescribe okay you, this is how you must do it now however we do need some help and i think that often it's just easy to get wrapped up in the the what's going on in our culture, but also this is it's just busy. We we have so many Christmas parties and end of the year this and and wrapping up that and Christmas presents and and that is the the nature that we kind of, for a lack of a better word, we've kind of bought into. Um, mm-hmm. But so how do we how do we enjoy it? I mean, we want if and everyone can do it differently. But how do we enjoy this season while also maintaining a bit of a, and and reminding ourselves of Jesus and this Advent, practically speaking, which I think it needs to happen before December 23rd, as you were mentioning um, about <laughs> your, <laughs> so, so how do we do that? Yeah. Um, okay. So here's where we get super practical. Um, one thing that I have found helpful and we do this with our family every year, is we'll sit down as a family and each person gets to pick one thing, one activity that they, it's like their must do for the season. Like we have to go ice skating as a family. If we don't, like it won't feel like Christmas, right? So every family member, there's five of us, each of us gets to pick one thing I love that we this. really, really want to do. And what happens in that process as a family is that everyone gets a voice. Everyone gets to describe. Like for me as a child, it would have been like, can we just stay home with a book at the fireplace and not talk (laughs) and just have a quiet night of reading? You know, like just what is one thing that would bring joy to your soul in this Christmas season? And so you list down those five things or however many people are in your family. um, And then everything else, you get to let go. You don't have to let go. 
but you kind of get to say, if we get to those things, then that's nice. And if we don't, it's okay. We, we identified the important things for our family, and that gives you permission to slow down, to say like, okay, we might not get to the cookie exchange this year, and, and that's okay. Like, we'll get to it next year, or we might not get to this thing, uh, or maybe we will, but, but the pressure is off. So I think part of it is just giving ourselves permission that we don't have to cram all the activities in one month to make this the most magical time of year. (laughs) I love that. I love that for a thousand reasons. But one, if nobody cares about the cookie exchange and you're working like crazy (laughs) for this cookie exchange, I mean, it it also kind of allows you to not only say no, but practically speaking, nobody cares about it in your family. You don't need to even do it. Like like you don't have Mm -hmm. to you don't have to do it. So it's mm-hmm. like freedom. And, um, but also it kind of, it involves everyone's heart and mind in the season. And, um, I love that. I love family traditions like that. Okay. Anything else that you do as you're thinking about preparing for, um, the coming of Jesus? Yeah. Yeah. So I brought that thing up first because if I mention anything else, it's going to be like, oh, I can't cram yet another thing into my busy schedule. So ah, first, smart. let's quiet smart. our schedule. Yeah. <laughs> let's slow down. And then the one thing that the one rhythm that I would encourage listeners to adopt this month is a rhythm of worship. And by worship, I mean exactly what we've been talking about. Slow down, learn about the names of Jesus and spend time responding to him, worshiping him, saying, Jesus, thank you that you are the light of the world. And and you bring light to the darkness. You illuminate even the, the darkest recesses of my heart, even those parts that are secret that I haven't shared with anyone else. Even the darkness is not dark with you because you mm. are the light of the world. And, yes. and take time to just sit with him five, ten minutes. It doesn't have to be long. But just sit and worship him for who he is as revealed in that one name. And then you know what happens, Trillia, is the Spirit of God will bring this to mind. So when you uh, at night are sitting on the couch looking at the, the tree with all the twinkling lights and all the beautiful lights on it, he will bring to mind, oh, Jesus is the light of the world. And mm. so you can pause and worship him then. Or maybe you drive around one of my family's favorite things to do. And what makes the list every year is drive around town and look at, look some at the, of the lights, best light displays. <laughs> yes. yeah. um, and some of them are so creative. Some of them are yeah. colorful. Some of them are like set to music. <laughs> um, yeah. and, and so even as you're doing that, some of your other favorite Christmas traditions Um, deep theological truths will be interwoven into those activities. And even Mm -hmm. then you can pause and worship. Oh, Jesus, you are the light of the world. You are my light. Just as light brings this joy and a smile to our, our, our family right now. Thank you that you do that when you are Mm. the light. And then the next day you move on to a different name, good shepherd, and just learn what it means that Jesus is your good shepherd And then as you go about your day, continue worshiping him. When you listen to some Christmas carols, maybe there'll be one that brings up one of Jesus' names. And you're like, oh, I actually know what that means now. I know what that means. And that connects deeply and personally. So this isn't, please, please hear me, listener, when I say this isn't yet another thing to do on your jam-packed Christmas list of activities. This is an invitation to slow down to let go of the things that no longer serve your family in this season, to quiet down and spend time with Jesus. 
discover mm. who he offers himself to you and then take time throughout the season to prepare him room to respond mm. to him, to praise him, to adore him. And then when December 24th comes, when that Christmas Eve service comes or Christmas Day, oh, you'll join in with people who say, oh, come let us adore him, yes. Christ the King. Your heart will resonate with that. You won't have to try to muster up feelings of excitement for Jesus. Mm, it will yes. be overflowing because you've spent all month preparing for this. Amen. I love that you and emphasize that we we can have a life of worship. So it doesn't have to be just okay at this time at five a.m. Which is I love to read my Bible in the morning, and um, but our whole lives can be worshiping the Lord. Mm -hmm. So as we're looking, we can notice Him, and we can praise Him, and we can thank him. Um, and you also have um, printable resources and playlists and all sorts of things that are free at unwrappingthenames.com. So if you if you listeners need help and, and guidance and fun activities and different things and different things that you can use to, to um, incorporate these things uh, that we're talking about, the, the names of Jesus into your, your daily life, you can Find more at unwrappingthenames.com. As we're about to wrap up, there is one thing. You talked about dysfunction and, and other things that a lot of people have experienced. So how can we be ambassadors of peace during the holiday season? And we have one minute to share that, but I really do believe it's really important. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So in one minute, uh, meditate on what it means that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Yeah. Take time to really dig into scripture and show how he has reconciled us with God. And so our Prince yes. of Peace invites us to become ambassadors of peace. Mm. So take time to worship, respond with praise and adoration, respond with surrender, those relationships mm. where it's hard to be a peacemaker, and then ask God's Spirit to do that work in your heart. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and yes. peace. And it, it keeps going, but it has to be God's Spirit working in us and not yeah. just us trying harder to be peacemakers. It's a response to fixing our eyes on Jesus, the Prince of Peace, and mm. then inviting him, would you do that work in my heart this Christmas when we sit down to family dinner or when we have those interactions that, that are tough, that they're hard. Oh, mm. Jesus, would you make me? A peacemaker. Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. We have a choice and we have power, a way of escape because of the power of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Thank you so much, Asherita. Thank you for being my guest and joining me today. Also, thanks to the behind the scenes team at Moody Radio, Karen Hendren, my producer and my engineer, Bob Moreau. To hear today's program again, you'll find it at livingbyfaithradio.org or on the Moody Radio app. You may also connect with us through Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Trillia Newbell. Living by Faith is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.